0: Welcome to Preschool and Beyond, a podcast where we tackle some of the most common and the most challenging issues facing preschool age children and their families. Recording from Discovery Child Development Center is your host, Mike DeLott.
1: Hi, and welcome to Episode 17, Kindergarten Redshirting. Every year at our school, we have at least a handful of parents who debate whether or not they should send their five-year-old off to kindergarten. Practice of redshirting has become increasingly popular since the 2006 best-selling book, Outliers, by Malcolm Gladwell, which highlights the benefits of starting kindergarten later. Redshirting has also gained popularity as kindergarten classrooms have become more focused on academic skills and less on play. The decision, however, can be difficult, as each child is a unique case, and there's research both in favor and against redshirting. To help us work through this dilemma, we have two returning friends of the podcast, my wife, Dr. Alejandra livas a director at Discovery Child Development Center in Morrisville, North Carolina. And she has also taught preschool, kindergarten, and first grade. We also have Dr. Gabriella Stein, a professor of psychology at University of North Carolina at Greensboro. All right, so welcome back to the show, Dr. Stein and Dr. Leva Stillot.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: So first, let's start by defining redshirting. So what does it mean to redshirt a child?
2: So this term came from sports and Mike, you would probably be better able to what it means in sports, but in academics or in the education world, it means um, holding a child back that meets the age cutoff, but perhaps is very close to that age cutoff, so parents want to give the students another year before entering kindergarten. So usually that happens for June, July, or August birthdays when the cutoff's in September.
1: Right, the terms used in sports for when you have a player who's not quite ready to play freshman year but you want to keep them eligible for four years. So you would redshirt them and they could practice, but they couldn't play in any games. Uh, So how common is it to redshirt children today?
2: So uh, nationally, about 9% of kindergartners are redshirted. It is typically two times more prevalent among affluent districts than amongst those districts that are close to the poverty line. And it is also two times more common among boys than girls. Um, across ethnicities, it's more common among white students, about 6%, less than 3% of Asian students are redshirted, and less than 2% of either African American or Latino students are redshirted.
1: Yeah, so it can really vary by community. I even saw one report, I think in Connecticut, there's a district where over a quarter of students are redshirting. So they're going to have much older classes there. Mm-hmm. So what does contribute to this trend? Why are we having more and more children redshirted?
2: I think um, there's two reasons why typically they're redshirted. One is for um, athletics. They want to give their, typically sometimes, boys that advantage, the athletic advantage when they enter high school sports. The other reason is for academic reasons, um, especially ever since No Child Left Behind, academics have been being pushed down. So everybody says the kindergarten is the new first grade. Um, So I think reading this and seeing this pressure for your child to achieve and do well academically um, perhaps parents are responding to this by trying to get give them that academic advantage being older. Um, there has been shown to be that age test difference. So just when you're tested or assessed at an older age, you tend to do better, especially in the younger grades.
1: So let's bring our psychologists into the conversation. So Dr. Stein, do you see some psychological benefits from having an extra year of preschool?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to start a little bit with some of the research on ADHD. And there's a lot that has been seen in the headlines about this in terms of kids who are younger, in terms of age, are more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and what you can think about that is that it's just kids' brains haven't matured nearly to the same extent, and the demands in their environment maybe are higher than than they're ready to meet. Um, so the science community is still trying to figure out what the precise mechanisms for that is. But that's sort of one of the one, I think one of the contributing factors to this red is that people are starting to see some of this research. But in terms of psychologically, um, in terms of my conversations with parents and what, you know, I, I think people also think about is having just one more year on their kid when they sort of either enter these hard decisions in middle school or sort of challenging time periods. Um, that may be more difficult for kids to navigate, again, being sort of the youngest and being faced with some of the pressures of middle school um, and high school for that matter.
1: Yeah, I think that's one thing you really have to think about, too. It's not just kindergarten you're making that decision for. And there may be both good and bad aspects later on. So you want to consider what's going to happen to them in middle school when um, they're either the oldest or the youngest. Similar in high school, there's going to be different pressures.
0: And I think the other thing in terms of just being more prepared to face those challenging things later in development, also in kindergarten, as as um, Dr. Levis de lot mentioned, that there is sort of a lot of um, pressures in terms of, sitting down and being focused during kindergarten year. Now a lot more table work than there used to be kindergarten used to have a lot more play focused and have a lot more sort of free time where kids were allowed to, because there's still a lot of maturation that's happening at that age, sort of that that it better accommodated that variability. But now kindergarten has a lot more rigorous academic standards and those involve sort of being able to sit and be focused for longer periods of time. And, and, you know, the older you are, the better you are to, to do that.
2: Yeah, and I think here at our school, um, we do have a transitional kindergarten program. And some of the benefits we have seen is that kids who have been held back, you know, kids one or two weeks away from that cutoff, um, being very shy, being reserved, um, high anxiety, having a hard time separating them from their family. You know, um, you know the families did struggle with the decision of whether to send them to kindergarten or not and ultimately decided for transitional kindergarten. But we've seen some of these students really blossom in that year in transitional kindergarten, going from being shy, introverted, to a little bit more extroverted. You know, kids' personalities aren't changing, but they are becoming more confident and mature. um, And we see that growth. And so when they enter kindergarten, you feel like maybe for these cases, they're entering with a little bit more confidence, um, kind of ready to tackle the big world.
0: And that confidence is key as what we know. One of the best predictors of kids' academic trajectories is sort of their social behavior in that first kindergarten year and how they relate to their teachers and the relationships they form with their teachers. And being confident and more mature is really going to foster sort of that better relationship is going to foster sort of that sense of being in the classroom and feeling comfortable and having the social maturity. So I think in many ways, um, I think parents are deciding on this as a way to give their kids a leg up on the social maturity that they're getting from that extra year of development.
2: Um, I completely agree. And When we are talking about whether to do redshirting or not, we usually tend to pay more attention to the emotional, the social, and not the academic. Um, I know they do it for the academic advantage, but um, here at our school, that's the piece. You know, Eventually, most kids are going to learn their alphabet. They're going to learn to read. They're going to be taught these things. They're probably okay with that. But um, with the emotional regulation and being that self-control and executive functioning is so imperative, and that one extra year can't help students with that.
1: The research community, though, is pretty divided about this Mm -hmm. issue, so you've highlighted a lot of the benefits, but what are some of the potential drawbacks of holding your child back another year?
0: Yeah, so um, some of the research on kids that are sort of more um, on the gifted end or really have a lot of academic skills... Um, it can be difficult for them to sort of be um, in a classroom in which the academic challenges maybe aren't aren't meeting that. And we know from some research that kids that have the academic skills benefit from being at the age rate that they're supposed to be in terms of the being in kindergarten if they're ready to learn those academic skills and that there could be a cost in terms of boredom or if they've learned a lot in another context just having to repeat kindergarten has a lot of sort of base that kids come into kindergarten with such a variety of skill sets that teachers really have to sort of even the playing field and get everyone on the same page and for a kid that's more advanced that could be a little bit more challenging in terms of sort of being bored at school yeah
2: and some of that controversial research includes that um, kids who aren't who were richer, the older kids end up sometimes dropping out of high school more instead of giving them an advantage and possibly going along with that, that boredom, they're not feeling challenged. Um, you know, it's a different experience for them.
1: Yeah, there's probably also some concerns with behavior when you're the older child and you're seeing a lot of immature behaviors. Will you, Will that child become a leader or will they kind of be kind of brought down by the more immature behaviors with the younger children could be a concern?
0: Or even for kids that are also more uh, can get frustrated by the immature mis- yes. behavior as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's a really great point, and, and and I think that's a challenge that schools are going to face to have if parents continue on this trend of red trading while there have other kids that are not, then you're going to have a two age two year age range yes. of kids entering mm-hmm. school, and at five that's a big difference. You know, at sixteen mm-hmm. not, not as much. So it it does make it a lot more challenging for for teachers.
1: Yeah, and that brings us to the next uh, question I want to ask because I think that is a factor is what's going on in your community? Are so many kids being redshirted that your child's going to be that much younger? Um, is one thing you want to think about. What are some other questions parents should ask themselves before making this decision?
2: Well, I think we've touched on a, a lot on those. It's for me, um, when thinking about it, is definitely what is the uh, social and emotional maturity of the child? Um, what is their level of academic progress? Where are they? Like, what are they ready for intellectually? Um, are the two biggest ones? Um, so, just thinking: Is how is my child going to rise up to the occasion? You know, younger kids do do better when there are older kids. Sometimes they tend to move to that, or they can be singled out. But I think questions you should ask yourself is: What is my child's personality like? Where? What are his strengths or her strengths? And what, how? What environment would best support their development?
0: And the other thing you might want to consider is if you know your kid's already struggling in some particular realm, for example, that you show high levels of anxiety or they're showing sort of signs of ADHD, those are things you might want to consider that 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 might benefit that child more so than for other kids, um, again, having that extra year of maturity.
1: How about that peer-sibling comparison? I know sometimes when parents have two children, one has a birthday at the beginning of the year, the other one might have a summer birthday, and they think to themselves, You know, uh, Sally was so much more mature at this age, so much more ready. Should I keep Johnny back another year?
2: Well, I think maybe it gives you some perspective in thinking that, like that there is a range of maturity, but definitely I would make that decision based on that child and that child alone and not trying to compare um, because that can be also detrimental. um, Even if you're doing it in yourself, you don't want to pass that along to your child and start those comparisons. But Yeah, it it can give you perspective, but definitely you want to treat each individual case. Like if you're seeing signs that their fine motor skills need to be more developed, their gross motor skills need to be more developed, their ability to sit and pay attention, those are things that you should really look at. and, And that's the more helpful perspective.
0: Yeah, and in your example, you had Sally and, I oh, forget the boys. Johnny. Johnny. So both of them, you know, there also is a gender difference, as as Dr. mentioned, that uh, boys are much more likely to be redshirted, and that's because boys tend to mature socially a, at a slower pace than girls. Um, so comparing a girl to a boy, you may also be comparing apples and oranges in mm-hmm. some ways as well. Um, so you might also want to think about that and sort of where is Johnny compared to other boys as opposed to where he is compared to where Sally was.
1: So if you do decide that you are going to redshirt your child, um, what are some options for you during that year?
0: First,
2: um, one could be looking for a transitional kindergarten program so then they feel like they're moving to a different place. Um, A lot of parents, I've noticed, don't want to have their child in that same pre-K room two years in a row. So that might make them feel excited about moving to a new classroom, but they're not going to kindergarten. Another thing is just continuing probably what you're already doing, um, play groups, social groups, play dates. Um, also, get a membership to a children's museum or a science museum where they can explore hands-on and give them that, you know, they have a gift of this extra year and let them be children and have fun and enjoy it um, and go learn with hands-on experiences. Um, if your child is very intellectually gifted or you feel and it's more the emotional social that's holding them back, introduce them to an instrument or a new language. Challenge them in different ways.
1: Thanks. And Dr. Stein, how would you communicate this to your child you know they hear their classmates are excited talking about going to meet the teacher talking about their kindergarten um should this be some a conversation you should have with your child yeah
0: i think what you would just want to focus on is sort of what are the things that you feel are important for that kid so identifying where they're going to go next so yeah your friends are going to x school but you're going to get to go to y and go find that place that they're going to be and really talk up what they're going to get to do in that extra year. And, um, you know, talking up that they're you're going to be, it's going to be fun. They're going to be able to spend more time doing things that kids get to do. Um, but also don't make too much of a big deal about it. Uh, and you also don't want to sort of talk about like, oh, when you grow up, you'll appreciate this, <laughs> that right. you just want them to just feel confident and that they're just, um that they're just going to a different school. Kids aren't going to think about it in the same way that adults will. So they will notice that they're Friends are maybe graduating, but you're just saying, oh, they're going to this school, you're going to that school, and they'll probably be okay with
1: that. So who can help parents make this ultimate decision whether or not to send their child to kindergarten?
0: I think it would be great not only to talk to teachers but to, uh, and really get a perspective in terms of what the teachers feel might be helpful for the child. Um, as well as if you have other people in your sort of network that spend a lot of time with your kid or even go take a tour of the, of that school that you might go to and maybe talk to the counselor there or whoever leads the tour in terms of what, what might be the expectations at that particular school. Cause I do think some schools may be better able to take kids in a younger, if sort of it's a more project-based learning, it's more child-directed learning, that actually might be a a place in which, you know, that social maturity in terms of attention and being able to do table work wouldn't be as important. So I would look at the school where you're going to go.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes parents in making this decision decide, well, maybe my child isn't ready for the public school, but there's this private school that is Montessori or project-based or more hands-on Emerson play-based school that... Because of their flexibility and because they're more traditional in that kind of play-based kindergarten, their child would be able to thrive there. And I have known of a couple parents instead of transitional kindergarten, since they're already paying for that year, they're paying for uh, private Kindergarten, first grade experience, or giving them that time to mature and then join back into the public school.
0: And that also might be, at least in our area, and you mentioned sort of looking at your local community, our schools are enormous. We have a thousand kids in these elementary schools, and that could be really overwhelming to some children. And so that might be that you want to select a sort of smaller school place at that transitional year as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's great to have those meetings before making that decision. So if you are talking to your preschool teacher or administrator, what are some good questions you'll want to ask?
2: Yeah, I think one good thing is, not like, are they ready or not? I think that's such a global question, and it's so loaded. And I think sometimes teachers feel they have an opinion, but they don't want to be the only opinion. We want parents to make that kind of ultimate decision. I think the better approach is to asking specific questions about the things that matter the most about this transition.
0: Yeah. So you might want to ask, so is my kid able to sit and do table work? Is, it, is my child self-directed and able to to sit and sort of accomplish a task that's given? Can they follow commands in the classroom? Do they Can they transition well between tasks that they have to do? Um, if they're giving sort of a group level instruction, are they able to sort of follow that independently or do they need that extra support to do that? Um, those are some of the attentional things I would focus on. I would ask about peers. How do they get along with their peers? Um, how do they handle their frustration in the classroom? Are they able to sort of, um, when they get frustrated, sort of calm down and sort of move, move past that? Or do they struggle a little bit more with that? Um, I would sort of want to know sort of what, what, what the kid sort of is like sort of during, you know co-book group instructions or the playground or different times sort of to get a sense of the sort of whole child?
2: Yeah, I think the the frustration tolerance, you know, if they're not getting their way, how do they handle that? The sharing or, or you're taking turns um, are important. And, you know, you can ask about academics because mm-hmm. in the end, if that child is at the very top academically, that's something that you might want to consider. So, you know, comp- how are they doing academically? Do you feel like that child? is ready for that type of curriculum in kindergarten or maybe bored in the future if they're not feeling challenged. And I think that sometimes that's also hard once the, they redshirt the student, they come into the public school, and then the parents are really upset that their ch- children aren't being challenged. Mm-hmm. And so that's another dynamic they I have to think about. So, I mean, you should ask your teacher about the academic side.
0: And on the other side, on the other end of the academics, if your kid is struggling a little bit more with letter identification and sounding out and pre-reading skills, pre-certain number skills, um, that they might benefit from that additional sort of year of maturity. Because sometimes, you know, that really, uh, there's that switch and the kid gets it and, you know, and that might come a little bit later.
1: Great. And I'll make a list of some of these type of questions in our show notes. All right. Well, that was a really helpful discussion. I want to thank our guests today, Dr. Stein and Dr. for joining us.
2: Happy to be here. Thank you again for having us.
1: And now for the show and tell segment of our show. One of my favorite all-time parenting books is How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslisch. While the book was first published in the early 1980s, unlike some other parenting books, the advice is still very relevant today It's one of those resources that I've gone back to several times with my own children. I was extremely excited to learn that Adele Faber's daughter, Joanna, and her lifelong friend, Julie King, just published a book expanding on the original work, and the new book is called How to Talk So Little Kids Will Listen, a survival guide to life with children ages 2 to 7. Through practical examples and cartoon illustrations, it gives parents many strategies for dealing with common challenges parents of young children face. I highly recommend this book. I am so excited to let our listeners know that the authors will be on our next episode, which will be released on February 17th. Please let me know if you have any questions you would like Julie and Joanna to answer for you. And that is it for episode 17 of Preschool and Beyond. Find links to what we talked about on our show page, www.discoverychilddevelopmentcenter.com slash podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash preschoolandbeyond not already left a review in iTunes, please consider doing so as it helps other listeners find us and helps bring great guests onto our show. We will see you in two weeks.